You're listening to the New Hope Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about New Hope, including our service times and events, please visit newhopebc.org. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Reese Stenner. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We've got a really interesting story today about Prince Mephibosheth. His name is awkward to say. I've said it already about 24 times this morning. And to be honest, his personality, I got most of them right as well, but his personality is quite awkward as well. And we agreed last week that we would probably want to invite someone like Abigail to Thanksgiving. She's just this magnificent woman. We'd probably, if, if, even if we couldn't see her, we'd go to DoorDash just to get Abigail to send us some food at Thanksgiving. One woman. Now, I'm not so sure how we all feel about Mephibosheth when we tell his story, but it's a story that certainly touches the heart and makes us think about things. So 2 Samuel chapter 9, David asked, this is a great question to ask, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? In other words, like, how can I bless my enemies? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Seba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Seba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Seba answered, I like that phrase, God's kindness. Seba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. I wonder if he was being a bit nasty here. Yeah, you don't really want to bother with him. Read on. Where is he? The king asked. Zeba answered. He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lo-Debar, which literally means no pasture. Where is he? He's in the middle of nowhere. He's a nowhere man. He's a broken and forgotten prince. You don't want to bother with him. And I wonder whether that's a picture of a church without hope, that we've lost our way and lost our vision. May the Lord restore that even today. So, verse 5, King David had him brought from Lodebar, no pasture, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor and said, and David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? I think I want to say at that point, ouch. There's obviously a bit of a chip on the shoulder there. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, Zeba had 15 sons and 20 servants. The Bible is full of detail like that because it's true in real history. Then Zeba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son called Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Here's the last verse. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Well, let me have a good look at you all this morning. It's good to be gathered in God's house today as God's redeemed people today, amen. And yes, 
Every one of us brings some kind of issue in the room from time to time. I hope that we prepare ourselves to worship and we confess our sins in our preparation for worship. We have that wonderful family group hour to get us prepared and ready to go. But I think you'd agree with me that there are some days you'd say everything's great and other days you'd say, you know, I'm bringing something into the room today. Let's make this place, this altar, a place where we find his transformation and healing for God to work in our lives. By his stripes, we are healed but we also struggle as well. Mephibosheth will eat at the king's table, but you know something? When he eats at the king's table, he also brings a bunch of problems too. Let's look at the first one, and this is kind of a long uh, first point, but it's really just telling the story. Mephibosheth is the son of Prince Jonathan, do you agree with me? We just read this, who died in battle alongside his grandfather Saul, who had rejected God and was under his judgment. Prince Mephibosheth lived in a time when those who went before him were messing things up. It was a time of judgment. Things were going badly. Some princes thrive and some princes don't. Some princes serve. Some princes are self-seeking. Do you have problems today? Do we bring problems in the house today? Do you have issues that are so strong in your life that it's like it's hard to get past that? Secondly, there's more. Mephibosheth was physically disabled through a childhood accident on a traumatic day. Much earlier in this narrative, the story is told in chapter four, verse four, five chapters before, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news came about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was, say his name, everyone, if you can, Mephibosheth. Friends, this is a truly sad story. A little five-year-old boy, Lord bless the children, uh, this is just a moment, and I had a chat with Pastoral Al about this, just to sort of chat, chat about uh, this, um, just parking out here for a, for a moment or two. It's good to recognize that physical challenges in our life can be very significant. And maybe they define us, or maybe they don't define us. No one gives a finer example of how to overcome adversity than our dear brother Al Mead. And we posted out his testimony the other day, uh, and God just did a remarkable work in your heart on the very day of your traumatic accident, on the day of Martin Luther King's funeral. You go through a traumatic, and yet it's been, your test has been your testimony. Your mess has been your message. It's a wonderful story. Can we give God praise for what God has done? To God be the glory in Al's life. Nonetheless, there should be a special place in our heart for those and Al, we agree that words like disability or handicap are still valid words today. We can say special needs from time to time. Some rise above it, some struggle more. And I just want to say, friend, there may be a physical diagnosis in you or in your family that's quite a big deal in your life right now. In fact, I want to invite us to come and pray at the altar. And if you can't pray at the altar, we'd love to pray for you wherever you are as well. In fact, by definition, you may not even be able to make it to the altar. There may be someone listening on the radio or online right now, and literally, you have not been able to get out of the house for a long, long time. Perhaps you had a stroke, or you've not been able to walk. It may be something to do with uh, your mobility. My former secretary in the UK for 13 years had a husband who was registered blind. And so he wasn't born blind, but he became a, a father, and then he, he went blind. And he said to me that after about seven or eight years, the disability took on another level of actually affecting you psychologically. It's possible when you're, you're experiencing something like that, that your world just kind of comes in a little bit more. And one day, he was sat in his room. One of the kids walked in and said, 
Dad, what are you doing sitting in the dark? What are you doing sitting in the dark? And he said, just at that point, the word came into his mind, I'm a man who sits in the dark, in a room in the dark. And it reminded him that his life had changed significantly. I hope that God gives us great tenderness to one another. Maybe sometimes we can get hard-hearted. Maybe sometimes we can look by and not notice the physical needs around us. Some folks are so discouraged that even helpers get pushed away, and it makes it even worse. Maybe you're the carer, and it's harder for you because you're the loved one. You're the, you're the one who's doing the caring, and you sometimes get the brunt of that along the way. It touches the heart, though, especially when it affects the young. And Pastor Al, were you eight or nine years old? I don't recall Nine years old when that took place. We live in a fallen world, but I'm telling you what, the king is going to invite Mephibosheth to his table. The third thing I want to say is, Mephibosheth let himself go. How do we know that? It's in the scripture in verse 24 of chapter 19. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went to meet the king. So this is 10 chapters on for our reading. In between is the rebellion of Absalom that we studied for a couple of weeks very, very recently. And so something terrible has taken place in the nation. Something clearly has, um, you know, uh, turfed everything up. And so we read that Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache. Let me have a good look around right now. Or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. So let me pause there and say this is sometime later. The Absalom uprising caused great instability in Israel, and we see a personal cost here in the life of Mephibosheth. Absalom didn't care. He murdered Israelites. He assaulted women. He didn't care. Mephibosheth was caught in the middle, and he was not able to flee. But Mephibosheth is kind of, and this is a phrase I feel the Lord gave us this morning. Mephibosheth is kind of frozen in time from the impact of Absalom's rebellion and has let himself go. And there may be someone here today and you are frozen in time from that thing that you went through and you've kind of let yourself go. You've let yourself go spiritually, you've let yourself go morally, you've let yourself go financially, you've let yourself go spiritually. There may be someone, and that's just a word for you, perhaps you're online right now, and I just encourage you that that is not the end of the story, and it's not the end of the story here. David doesn't judge him for that. He doesn't say, I don't want anybody in my household who lets themselves go. But rather, once again, David gives a warm invitation to eat at his table. Now, there is some basic wisdom today that says if you're going through a hard time, and all of us go through hard times at some stage, if you're going through a hard time, you've been through a divorce, you've gone through an illness, you've gone through some depression, you've lost your job, You've gone through, there's an issue in the world that just kind of takes hold of you. There is basic wisdom that says, in the midst of that, it'll be a whole lot worse if you let yourself go as well. And so it's important for us to make sure that we do care for our bodies during this time. Amen? And the Bible speaks to us actually about this. And general wisdom today seems to be, if you can walk eight and a half thousand steps a day, and if you can eat well, and even do it between, within an eight-hour window, and if you, if you don't spend all your time scrolling, uh, but you, you, you sort of de-stress along the way, maybe you lift a few weights when you're older, then your prospects will greatly improve for good health. Now, some of you have set the bar way higher than that. We've got some real superstar athletes in our church, and we're proud of you. 1 Timothy 4.8, King James Version says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. 
The ESV and the NIV are very similar, but just say it slightly differently. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has a value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Have you let yourself go? Have you let yourself go health-wise? spiritually, the most important part of us that lasts forever? How are you doing spiritually? Maybe you are doing well physically with your exercise, but you've neglected your prayer times. Worship is not something that's a consistent pattern in your life. How's your walk with the Lord? Isn't that the most important question to ask ourselves? How's it going with you and Jesus? Amen? That's a great question to ask, isn't it? How are your devotions? How's your teachability? How is your obedience? I do want to say this. We don't preach the gospel of self-help because frankly, we can't really help ourselves very much. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God has come into our hearts through Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You, my friend, have the power of the Holy Spirit within you if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So put the Lord first in your life and be ready to serve. David is the Lord's anointed. He looks out for Mephibosheth, even though he let himself go, even though he was in a fallen state, David still looks out for him. He hadn't washed his clothes. That meant he was stinky. I had to look that up in a commentary to discover that. He probably wasn't very pleasant to be around. It's quite likely that that reference to not taking care of his feet was that he had an ongoing infection. And you can imagine that was a problem to Mephibosheth. And if it's not dealt with, it was probably a problem to those around him as well. So let me ask, do you still want Mephibosheth to come to Thanksgiving? You've heard that he's a little bit grumpy. He's let himself go. He's a little bit stinky. Do you still want to invite him along to your meal? He's tempted to self-pity. He's the kind of guy that we don't always want in our circles. He's not very cool. Oh yeah, Mephibosheth, he used to be famous. No one wants to be identified with someone who used to be famous. He was a little bit like Lieutenant Dan before he got married and became cheerful again. And so we need to understand Lieutenant Dan's story because there are plenty of Lieutenant Dan's in our community. Some are harder to get on with than others. Do you agree with me on that? Some are harder to get on with, with others. Mephibosheth may have been in this category. But here's the thing. David invited him not only to Thanksgiving, but to Christmas and Easter and breakfast and lunch and dinner every day of his life. David opens the door of hospitality, even though he wasn't always a cool person to be around. David opens the door, in fact, to be part of the family. He treats him like a son. In fact, this is a picture of adoption. Higher still, he welcomes Mephibosheth to share in the kingdom of God to the prepared table. Now, perhaps that's overstating it in some ways. I mean, uh, David had a big palace, he had a lot of help around him, and so he didn't have to be constantly aware of Mephibosheth's needs, though he wanted him to be at the table. It was probably less of a commitment than having someone stay in your basement or in the guest room. But Mephibosheth was always there, and David took responsibility for, for Mephibosheth. I'm, I'm, stick, I'm holding firm on this one, I think that's number 30 right now. Um, David remained in his commitment for, for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, Woo. I'll, I'll, I'll go James Bond and call him M, I think, from now on. Um, I'll say it, say it slowly, that's the key as well. But um, I wonder if it went a bit like this. Um, morning, Mephibosheth. Hi. Next day, like, morning, Mephibosheth. Hi, King David. 
Well done, Mephibosheth, we're getting a little bit more. I sense it might have been a little bit like that in that kind of relationship. Isn't it wonderful that David is all about grace, invitation to the kingdom, come to the table, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Give God praise for the kingdom of God, my friends. It's a picture of salvation, isn't it? It's a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of eternity when we will eat with him in the heavenly banquet forever and ever. I got some two practical takeaways in a story. Here's the first practical thing I think we can apply to our lives today. Here's the first thing. Practice hospitality with kindness and discernment. Romans 12, 13 says, practice hospitality, share with God's people in need. We do this as a church. It's who we are as a people. We want to extend this hospitality. I believe that the way this church has served the last three years has set us up for the blessing that we're experiencing in this day with God's people. Remember Mephibosheth. Remember Mephibosheth in your family group. Let your family group be a place of ministry and of growth and of study and of prayer and of encouragement. Um, Let there be food in the fellowship rooms as well. Listen to Matthew 5 and what Jesus said. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors or the mafia doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Have you noticed on the streets of the world's capitals right now, that's exactly what's going on. We just care for for our own. We don't care about anybody else. True love is loving that which is unlovely. True love is sometimes loving something that's a little different. Who are we ministering to? Who are we reaching? Do we only want to hang out with people who are on the same level as us? Sherry Gordon said this about cliques. I know some of y'all say click. Is that right? I say clique. Forgive me. I'm going to stick with it for the time being. Hey, I can say Mephibosheth. All right. She says this. Sometimes a group of friends is actually a clique. A clique is an exclusive Group of people who spend time together and do not readily allow others to join them. Typically, kids in these groups make it clear to outsiders that not just anyone can join and be part of their group. Another determining factor is that cliques often focus on maintaining their popularity or status. They accomplish this exclusively by making those on the outside feel like they are less important than those on the inside. And I've got to tell you a story about this. It's a personal one. After my dad died, I didn't hear from any of his friends, not one, none of his drinking buddies. We were left alone. There was no insurance money that was known. No one checked. People knew how my dad had died. I praise God for my grandparents, praise God for my dear grandfather, and I will say this as well. I praise God for the Royal Navy, who though they didn't have to support my mum, they did nonetheless as well. So I'm thankful for that. I had to grow up quick. There was no extended adolescence for me, praise the Lord. We had to kind of get to it. But I heard nothing from my dad's friends. I'm not bitter about it, but I will say this. The Cheers bar is an illusion. It doesn't work like that. People are not there to be your friend. They're there because they want to have a drink. And I learned that one very quickly, that friends walk in when others walk out. But I just came to know the Lord You've heard my story many times. A punk rocker invited me to dine with the King of Kings. And the thing that really got me was it was going to be forever and ever. If I gave my life to Jesus, it's going to be forever and ever. And I'll be with the Lord forever, dining in his wonderful banqueting house, in his palace, in heaven. Let me tell you, though, 
Timoth Baptist Church, I went along to Timoth Baptist very, very short time afterwards. Um, the men of the church treated me like a son. And they kind of opened their homes and their hearts to me. My mum came along to the church. My first day as a pastor, I baptized her. And she's still in that church 45 years later. It's a privilege to sup with you, my friends, at the king's table, because you are my family, and we are family with one another. Amen. I give God praise and thank him. We got an eternal banquet. Let us dine with each other. So practice hospitality with kindness and discernment, and finally experience the kingdom culture of invitation. David made a point of giving an official invitation to his own table, a royal invite. And wasn't it wonderful that when they got separated through that horrible invasion by Absalom, isn't it wonderful that David gave the invitation again, even though Mephibosheth had let himself go, my friend, if you've let yourself go, can I just say, the king's invitation is still for you today. I would plead with you, come back to the Lord. If you've been far from God and you've slipped morally, you've slipped spiritually or physically, Come back to the Lord and he will forgive and he will help you be part of his family. I want to praise God for that as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus told the story of how invitations went out to a great banquet and loads of people who you'd have expected to come made their excuses. You know the story. One said, you know, I've just brought a field. Another said, I've just got an oxen, which is a bit like um, I got a Tesla or I got a Harley. It's like, hey, can you understand on a Sunday morning, instead of praising God, I'm going to go and ride that Harley. I got tickets for the big game and Taylor Swift is going to be there in the executive suite. I'm a season ticket holder. It's grouse hunting season. I checked, it actually is as well. Uh, another couldn't come to the banquet because he just got married. I'd want to say, dude, did you ask your wife? Ladies love to go to banquets, but he didn't even want to ask his wife about that. I thought that was funny, by the way. And so the master says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to go out to the country lanes. We're going to go out to Nowheresville. We're going to go to the nowhere men and the nowhere women and those who've let themselves go and those who don't seem to have a great deal to do with the kingdom. We're going to go out to the highways and the byways, not the boulevards and the mansions, but the highways and the byways. If the invited won't come along, well, let's come and invite some more as well. Let there be a culture of kingdom invitation. You hear at the end of our services, we're getting into the new practice of reminding ourselves of our mission statement. Friends, would you say that this nation is in a perilous state right now? The vast majority of this nation believe that we're going headed in the wrong direction. If you're a spiritual person, you'll be grieving every day over the sins and the follies of our culture right now. If you believe that our country is in grave danger, do you believe that the only answer is Jesus? Hey, can we stand together, everyone? If Jesus is the only answer, would you give God praise right now and thank the Lord for the fact that we got Jesus? Here we go. I got a question. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you know him, you'll be obeying his commandments. Jesus said, those who love me, obey my commandments. You know if you love him, you have his spirit and the love of God is in your heart and you're obeying him. You want to do God's will. And if you're doing God's will, you're part of this kind of invitation culture that David demonstrated and Jesus himself by dying on the cross, bleeding out for the sins of the world. We thank God that this is a, a great invitation to the kingdom. So here's my question. Would you invite Mephibosheth to Thanksgiving? I'm not saying you have to. Somebody said yes. Okay, 
he's going to come to your house. Is that okay? <laughs> Get out the hand sanitizer. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it works, isn't it? It's like, hello, ooh. Somebody's issue just manifested in your atmosphere. But God will, God will give us discernment and he will give us the grace and the kindness. And if this world is lost right now, it means that the people we're trying to reach are acting lost right now as well. And that's a challenge, isn't it? We're trying to turn atheists into missionaries. And only God can do that by his Holy Spirit. I just want to give one final encouragement and then we're going to come to the altar. We're going to pray for the sick as well. We're going to pray for our nation. Um, can, you, can you remember that Jesus said, encourage us to come to him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, what? Hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. Can I just encourage you? Jesus invites you to the banquet today, my friends. And let us also do the same. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe to hear more encouraging podcasts from New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at newhopebc.org.